everybody who sees the statue, they're going to know who I am. A lot of kids don't know what I even played. I have grandkids, and they don't know what I did. They really don't. They never seen it, they don't know. Like for instance, I'm with the Washington, they get the Battle of Freedom Award. Barack Obama gave it to me. He never seen me play. So I talked to some people, I said, now, maybe I put a, a voicemail on the statue, you know, to say who I am. Hey, I'm Ernie Banks, I played at this ballpark over here. This was happening and that was happening. Good morning and welcome to episode 604 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus, brought to you by the Play Index at baseballreference.com. I'm Sam Miller with Ben Lindbergh of Granton. Hi, Ben. Hi. How are you? All right. Just killing time till the Royal Rumble. Figured there's no better way to do it than by recording a baseball podcast. So you are not a person who... Um, routinely tweets uh, about <laughs> uh, wrestling or about anything for that matter that's true but um, but not about wrestling I didn't even know that you were I'm a, I'm a casual enthusiast I have a couple of my oldest closest friends are very very knowledgeable and enthusiastic about wrestling and so periodically they invite themselves over to my apartment for a major wrestling event and I kind of enjoy watching them watch it as much as I enjoy watching it myself. Is this uh, because you have a better setup? Is this yes. why they want to come to your house? Yeah, and I, I kind of brought them together as uh, two fans who did not know each other but knew me and were so into wrestling that I figured I would make an introduction. Well, that's nice. Um, mm -hmm. All right, do you have anything to talk about? Not really. Okay. Um, me neither. All right, so... I wanted to talk about uh, Pakoda and pitchers, and we've done, I think we've done versions of this. This is a question that you and I have always had. Uh, we are able, well, I'll just explain. Uh, I wrote on Friday about um, the pitchers whose projections have most changed since last year, mm -hmm. uh, which is to say not that their projections are the most different from their performance last year, but their projections are the most different from what their projections were last year. And um, Pakoda, if uh, sometimes spits out uh, counterintuitive projections because it has a longer memory than you and I might have, and so we're surprised that it doesn't love a guy as much as we do after uh, a really good year or even two years or sometimes even four years. And so I wrote about the pitchers who um, uh, who who most moved Pakoda's needle this year, but I wanted to find out from you whether you think that they moved it enough or moved it too much if you think that um uh if you had to basically if you had to take the uh the over or the under on these guys which would you take okay does that seem fair sure and i'm going to skip all the minor leaguers because mm -hmm. those don't matter uh there's basically like uh there's basically like eight guys i think that i would like to bring up or maybe maybe nine ish um so we'll do that. And I'll just start with the one that is going to be, um, I, I think, based on the emails that uh, we've been having um, within the staff, uh, I think that probably the, the one that jumps out to most people who see the projections this year is going to be Corey, Corey Kluber. And so Corey Kluber is projected to have a 4.08 ERA, uh, which in this day and age makes him not very good. 
Um, and it makes him, you know, basically like a one win pitcher. Um, like for instance, he's roughly, uh, the same as Scott Atchison. Is that uh, a 4.08 ERA in 2014 offensive environment or what Pakoda thought 2014 offensive environment was going to be? This is in 2015. What Pakoda thinks 2015 uh-huh. is going to be. Okay. And the piece I, yeah, the piece I wrote, I kept 2004, projected 2004 offensive environment. Uh, but now I've, uh, I've, I'm giving you the pure, pure projection as people will see it on hopefully Monday. Uh, so, you know, it's not like, uh, you know, Pagoda thinks that he's not worth having on your team, um, but that's not a very good pitcher, right? No. So, um, I can kind of explain why Pagoda thinks that he's worse than Drew Pomeranz. <laughs> okay. Uh, but, uh, of course, what I want to know is whether you think that it's responsible or just stubborn. Um, basically, Corey Kluber... Um, like just three years ago was just terrible, right? I mean, he was mm-hmm. the, what was he, the throw into the, was it the David, no, what was the, the Jim Edmonds deal or something like that? Ryan Ludwig. Hmm. Uh, he was the throw in in the uh, Ryan Ludwig deal, the deal that sent Ryan Ludwig to the Padres. Um, and uh, so that was in 2010. Well, the Indians sent Westbrook to the Cardinals and Kluber went to the Indians. You know, it was a three-team trade. But Kluber was on the Padres. Yes. Yeah. So the Padres gave up Kluber to get Ludwig, basically. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that was a little bit more than four years ago. Kluber was a 26-year-old before he really made the majors and lost his rookie status. Um, In 2012, he had an ERA of five. Um, and then 2013, he was good. He had a league average ERA, but a fifth that, uh, had some, uh, a lot of analysts thinking there was better there. And then of course, 2014, he won the Cy Young award and was the best pitcher in the American league. So it feels weird to say that the best pitcher in the American league would have an ERA of four this year. Um, but Pakoda remembers all of 2010, 11 and 12 and thinks that we still need to see more. I think that probably if I had to guess, if we polled the BP staff, uh, 40 out of 40 would take the under on this ERA. Mm-hmm. Would you? Is it that obvious to you? Is it that overwhelming that uh, we just should just acknowledge that in 2100 projections, there's going to be one guy that confounds the system and um, uh, you should overrule it? Yeah, I think so. I can't, can't really imagine in this current day and age where maybe it's harder to win the Cy Young Award just by winning a bunch of games or something or having some fluky ERA that you could come up with a Cy Young Award winner who would be projected by by people, if not Pakoda, to be just a below average starter the following year. It seems like a tough player to construct. I don't know. When we did our our thing early in this podcast run, which was recently recapped at, at Banish to the Pen, the blog of Effectively Wild listeners who've been recapping old Effectively Wild episodes. We did our thing about R.A. Dickey when he was good, and and we kind of put him up against a bunch of other starters, and we 
drafted guys that we would want ahead of R.A. Dickey, and we took a bunch of guys, and it turns out we didn't take enough. He, he ended up being worse the following year than almost everyone we had talked about. But that was Ari Dickey, and that's different. Wait a minute. Wait. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What do you mean that was Ari Dickey, and that was different? Why? He won the Cy Young Award. Yes. And if you'd projected him to be below average the next year, you would have been correct. So yes. why not? Well, we were we were very skeptical of Dickey. Maybe not skeptical enough, but we took lots of guys who were worse than Dickey ahead of Dickey going forward because he was old and he's a knuckleballer and we just hadn't really seen anyone do what he had done with a knuckleball before managing to vary very speeds the way he had and strike guys out and have great control and that just seemed like something that could stop happening at any time I guess you could say the same about Kluber and the pitches that he's developed and refined but just just knuckleball makes everything weirder and somehow seems less sustainable at that elite level. So I have a hard time imagining coming up with a, a typical pitcher, even even Dickey. If Dickey had done what Kluber had just done, we would not project him to be a below average starter, as you're saying. So, so yes, I think probably everyone would be below Pakoda on that projection. It's projecting him to be worse than he was in 2013. In 2013, he had a 3.85 ERA, and, and scoring environment was a little bit higher then. So now it's projecting him to have a higher ERA than that in a lower scoring environment. So yes, it seems like a stretch. So let me ask you, I, m- I mentioned two examples um, in, the, in the piece, but uh, very recent examples. One couldn't you say all the exact same things about a batter who was the you know an MVP, which Chris Davis certainly could have been the MVP in 2013? Mm-hmm. Um, similarly, though, similar age, uh, similar poor performance two, three, and four, and five years earlier, um, arguably a, a much better pedigree, and um, you know at least he had demonstrated that level of of excellence at in flashes at points. Um, and yet, uh, you know, Chris Davis, below average hitter this year, um, mm-hmm. and uh, probably, I, I would guess that probably all of us would have taken the over on Chris Davis, whatever his projection was last year, because we were all convinced he had made adjustments. There mm-hmm. were so many pieces about the adjustments he'd made. It was easy to see. We all knew he'd made adjustments, but he hadn't. He, he had a career year, and then at age 28, uh, he had uh, a, a not a career year. Mm-hmm. And also, he had had like Kluber, he had had a, a pretty good uh, semi-breakout the year before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that September of the previous year. Yeah, and Davis was a contentious projection, as I recall last year, or people used it as an example of Pakoda's blind spots. His his preseason... The opposite, pro- too. The opposite, too, by the yes, way. Yes, right, right, right. His preseason projected projection was a 285 true average, and as it turned out, he did not make it to that. He was at 271. I guess in that situation, I don't, a lot of people expected Davis to get worse, right? I mean, but everybody expects Kluber to get worse. Nobody's projecting him to win the Cy Young and have a 2.4 ERA. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I, I guess it's it's analogous, and maybe the difference is that pitchers seem like they can change more quickly in ways that last but i don't know then again 
he could just get hurt quickly and not be not be good. But that's kind of different from forecasting the performance. So, yeah, I can kind of see it. You could probably come up with a Chris Davis-like example of a pitcher. I can't off the top of my head, but someone who, I don't know, maybe Esteban Luiza. Or yeah, I was, right? thinking, I was he, definitely thinking Luiza. Uh, yeah, uh, he he developed right. that cutter, and he was great for that year, whatever year that was, and uh, was a Cy Young contender. Runner. Yeah, runner-up. Runner-up, yeah. Led the, led the league in strikeouts. Uh-huh. And there was an example. There, I mean, there was a there was an explanation for it. He had a new pitch and maybe new mechanics and everything. I don't know. I remember writing about it for a lineup card at some point. There was, there was stuff you could point to and say that this was real. And he was older than, than Kluber was at the time. But, but yeah, that was a case where you could get fooled. And he was an all-star the following year, but he was Yeah, terrible. he had a 5.7 ERA. <laughs> yeah, wow. What was his first half, second half split that year? 2003 uh, was the big year, and 2004, he was an all-star with a 5.7 ERA. He was first half 4.77, but he was 8-4, and four. second half 7.51. Hmm. Yeah, so... So yeah, sure, you could point to that as an example of a time when probably Pakoda, that was the early days of Pakoda, but if Pakoda had been working the same way it does now, it would have done the same thing as it's doing for Kluber now and probably would have beaten the crowd. Yeah, the other example I gave in the piece was Ubaldo Jimenez, who uh, we probably remember because it just happened, was really as good as any pitcher in the American League from you know basically May 1st on. Um, in 2013, and he had, um, again, there were sort of, uh, like, you could see it not just in his numbers, it wasn't just that he had a good run, but he was uh, throwing harder and doing things better, and he looked irreparably broken in April, and then he, you know, was still kind of, I mean, he was always mechanically Ubaldo, which is going to be an issue, but uh, he had he had quieted some things down and uh, was incredible. Like he struck out like eleven batters for nine or ten batters for nine or something like that, mm-hmm. and uh, had a two point seven ERA and had just this incredible run and really had a, a kind of a September and August that was very Kluber esque in his final eight starts. Uh, he struck out seventy one and walked ten in fifty four innings with a one point six ERA. I mean, it was very much like Kluber level in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, we talked that offseason about how much we bought Ubaldo, and uh, he was terrible last year. And so mm-hmm. there's that too. Yeah, I, there was nothing. I mean, Kluber's various uh, defense-independent stats matched his ERA pretty much perfectly. He wasn't like a low BABIP guy or anything. Um, so there wasn't anything about his numbers that really suggested that it wasn't sustainable as long as he keeps pitching the same way, but maybe he will stop pitching the same way. So sure. I I think that generally speaking, I would I would continue you know, I think that this is not um not a strong projection for Kluber. Like I get why it does it and and it helps the overall uh package of projections if you have a consistency to it and you're not letting yourself be misled. But I think that, you know, I would take the under on Kluber as well. I do think, though, that we probably uh, overestimate how much smarter we are on examples like Kluber. Like, I bet Mm -hmm. if we found, if we could go back over the last 15 years and find 
you know, the two, maybe the two examples of hitters and the two examples of pitchers that we felt strongest that we were smarter than Pakoda about. Mm-hmm. Like I would, I would bet that Pakoda does way better than on those than we gave it credit for initially. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I would, I would probably bet that we would win. Like that, we would be better than coin flip on those projections, but not by a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's like the it's like the competition we did in the middle of last year, right? Where we tried to, after Mitchell Lichman wrote that thing about how the the guys who have beaten their projections halfway through the season or something, if you uh, look at what they do in the second half of the season, they pretty much hit their their updated projections. They don't keep outperforming it. And so we did that draft of guys in the middle of last year to see whether we could tell which guys who were vastly underperforming or vastly overperforming, which ones would actually finish that way and which would just play like their projections. And I don't remember what we found. <laughs> did we find that we were dumb? I will look right now. Uh, I think that we beat it by a tiny bit. I think we had a little. I think we both got maybe maybe just you got hot at the end of the year and ended up beating it. Although yes, it, we were like, losing so, for. We were losing. Yeah. Great. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So uh, this one is a different kind of situation, but this would be Ken Giles. Mm. So Ken Giles, I cannot get enough Ken Giles fun facts because uh-huh. uh, Ken Giles was, um, you know, as good a relief season as we've ever seen. And like a year ago, he was a high A failure. Um, So uh, the one that we used in the annual is the guy who allowed seven runs per nine in high A uh, allowed seven base runners per nine in the majors in back-to-back years. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's uh, going to make you reconsider what you think about a guy. Um, Ken Giles' ERA projection when he was the high A loser uh, was 4.72. This year it's 3.15. That is a needle moved, right? Clearly, a 1.6 run um, reconsideration is not stubbornness by any means. However, uh, 3.15 for an ERA is also not great. And you can find, like, if you want to look at the relievers around him uh, in ERA, it's, you know, guys like I, I, I noted Joe Thatcher and Fernando Salas. Uh, and you could find a whole bunch of kind of mediocre ish relievers who are in that 3.1 zone uh so it's not saying he's relief ace um and yet what he's maybe going i mean he could be closing people i think are excited to see him close um do you think that 3.15 is too pessimistic by the way the other thing about this is that unlike kluber who had 230 innings or whatever to change pakota's mind ken giles threw 48 innings in the majors and something like 70 innings total so it's actually even a much smaller um history of success than kluber would have so do you think that's too uh conservative or too uh uh, credulous Mm. 3.15 seems pretty high for someone who looks as good as giles and throws as hard as giles and was as good as giles who's a who was a 3.15 reliever this who year. was who That's, was this year? Like who was yeah. actually performed that way? Yeah, like a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, right. No one, no one you would be all that interested in. That's like, I mean, what is what is league average for a reliever at this point? It's got to be 
not much higher than that, right? Yeah. These, so people who are actually Giles, by the way, that was before I did the Giles ERA is actually uh, is actually projected to be three point oh eight, which is uh, like the same as Ryan Madsen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's also the same as uh, Sergio Santos, Tony Watson, um, Bobby Parnell, Neil Kotz, Evan Scribner. Uh, Brad Boxberger, you know, a mix of guys mm-hmm. who had great years, guys who didn't pitch, guys who were okay, guys who weren't great. Uh, it's sort of just where, like, a lot, it seems to be the area where a lot of relievers get thrown. By the way, Craig Kimbrell's projected ERA? Mm-hmm. 1.3. <laughs> okay, so it's not a matter of Pakota just being conservative on everyone then. No. It will go out on a limb for some guys, or maybe it's not going out on a limb for him. Um, but yeah, that's, that's basically the season that Giles just had or partial season that he just yeah. had. Yeah. So I don't know. My inclination is to go lower than that, but I don't think it's crazy. I, I don't know. I mean, he was, so he was, I'm looking at his, his minor league stats. It's, I mean, he never spent a whole lot of time at any one level except for a ball, I guess in 2012, he was effective he struck guys out the whole way but also i guess had some home run issues here and there or i don't know he was was not dominant at every stop but i don't know it's not crazy i would take lower but i'm not objecting to it the way that i would kluber's yeah he was uh he was a sleeper on one of goldstein's top tens some years back so there was always you know the the triple digit aspect to Mm -hmm. him um but of course, I mean his his problem was always that he walked a ton of people. And if you if you were, I would I think we discussed this once. But if you were going to choose the between the pitcher who had added a whole bunch of strikeouts in his breakout season and the pitcher who had cut a whole bunch of walks in his breakout season, mm. uh, I think we said we would take the strikeouts guy because it yeah. reflected kind of a new ability. Whereas the walks, you just sort of feel like maybe he was just holding his life together. <laughs> uh-huh. Right. Yeah. I just looked at our, our performance on those midseason draft guys. So we drafted 20 hitters and 20 pitchers, and we picked whether they would be, what, above or below their rest of season projections. And we actually did okay. I got 26 of 40, and you got 23 of 40. No, that's pretty Not good. That, that means anything, but at least we didn't embarrass ourselves. He walked 2.2 major leaguers per nine. Mm-hmm. and had been walking 5.4 minor leaguers per nine. And per nine is probably misleading for him because he was allowing so many base runners that right. it's probably even 6. better than 6.6% walk rate. Yeah. And, yeah, before that he was in the teens usually. Uh-huh. So I, I don't know. <laughs> what would you project his walk rate? Before I tell you what Pagoda says, just knowing that, mm-hmm. what would you project his walk rate to be? Ten percent. Ten percent. I think I'm going to have to ask you to phrase it in the form of a per nine innings because uh-huh. I've got in front of me. Um, okay. Uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, three and a half. Okay. So yeah. So Pakoda has actually three point nine, uh, which is not. Uh, which is still. I mean, you'd figure a guy. Well, you'd figure a guy who strikes out eleven and walks three point nine would be pretty good. But they, mm-hmm. it thinks he will be pretty good, just not superhuman mm-hmm. I, I take the under on everything <laughs> right. so i'll take the under too but 
again, I mean, you could see there's a there's definitely potential for you know 5.70 RA. Like like John Axford, for instance, has a similar um, uh, has a similar projection this year. But like probably we, we might have had this conversation about John Axford after 2011, right? Mm-hmm. Where he was so good, had been for two years, had you know done all the things, cut the walks, threw really hard, was dominant. How could Pakoda project him to do whatever Pakoda projected him to do? And since then, his ERAs have been 467, 402, and 395. I mean, he's just not very good, and it happened immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, the other guy, Jim Henderson, uh, you could say the same thing, right? Jim Henderson came out and was not Giles good, but really incredible. His mm-hmm. ERA tripled this year. Uh, yeah. Not many innings, but he didn't get many innings because his ERA tripled. <laughs> right. Uh, there's the uh, you know there's Steve Delabar. There's Farquhar. I mean, again, Giles is better than everybody, but like there's a lot of these guys who you drafted because you needed a closer, and then he had an ERA of seven. So mm-hmm. there is definitely seven potential in Ken Giles that were probably um, uh, not as not as paranoid about as Pagoda is. Mm-hmm. So that seems fair enough, but I'll take the under. All right, I closed the uh, tab. Oh, well, that's it then. No, <laughs> I have another one. Uh, let's <laughs> okay. see. Uh, Dylan Batonsis, I'm going to see what it, what it is, but what would you, give me give me what you would, before I tell you, before I even look, what would you give me for Batonsis? Projected ERA and projected case for nine. What would I project him to be, or yeah. what would I expect Not, Pakoda would? What would you? I don't care what you think Pakoda would do. I want to know what you would do. Mm. Okay. All right. I'll say uh, 2.7 with mm. a, gosh, what was he, 13 and a half last year. Um, huh. I don't know. Uh, I would guess that he'll pitch fewer innings this year, and potentially that will make him even better rested and throw even harder. Who knows? Or maybe not because all pitchers lose velocity over time. I'll say, uh, eh, I'll say 13. 13. Okay. I was going to say two, five, five for an ERA and 11.7 for strikeouts mm-hmm. per night. Uh, so Picota will probably be higher than that. Picota is 3.94 ERA. Let's just nip this one. We're go- <laughs> we're taking the under. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And then yeah. Two strikeouts. I mean, that's because uh, he was really horrible too. This is an example of a guy who had not just bad stats, but like what, like horrifying stats, right? He was and, a starter, and he was very, very bad as a starter, yeah. like with a six and a half ERA in 2012, mm-hmm. and walking tons of guys and not striking out as many guys as you would think. So, uh, yeah, this is a a clear case of of starter to reliever transition working really well. And I don't know whether Pakoda adjusts for that well or not. Well, okay, so then let's uh, let's talk about Zach Britton, because Zach Britton is a starter who converted to a reliever and um, had a great uh, season, but also strangely low strikeouts. Uh, so give me your projection for Zach Britton, and then I'll tell you what he got. So last year he had a 1.65 ERA, but a 3.13 FIP. Yeah. Almost seven strikeouts per nine, about three walks per nine. Yeah. Lots of ground balls. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'll say I'll say three-ish, three, 
three <laughs> um, with uh, eight strikeouts per nine. Mm-hmm. So uh, I know this one, so I'm not even going to guess. Pakoda has him at 3.52 ERA and seven strikeouts per nine. Do you feel strongly enough to take the under on that one? Uh, It'd be nice to have just one where we could take the over, but <laughs> if there isn't going to be one, there isn't going to be one. Yeah, I don't know. It's like those Jim Bowden contract predictions. We just kept taking the over. This time we're just taking the under. I think, yeah, I'd probably be more comfortable taking the under than the over. Uh-huh. On this All right. One. Jake Arietta, give me an ERA. Mm. Uh, I like Jake Arietta. Um, you think he has good stuff. I did say that. I'll say 3.05. Dang it, you're taking the under. It's <laughs> 366, uh, which... It's what it was in 2013. I'm surprised it's not higher. That's what his projection was in 2013? No, that's, that's what, what his actual was. was. Mm-hmm. Only after the trade. Uh, yeah, you're right. He was, at, he was very, very poor before the trade. I actually don't feel bad taking the over here. I'm going to take the over. This is the I'll put my money on over here. Okay. Um, I liked Jake Arrieta a lot last year. He was really great, but the um, his his record of failure is much closer to the to the present day mm-hmm. than Kluber's was. Yep. Um, and uh, he. Uh, his success is a lot fewer innings than Kluber's was too this year. And really, even in Chicago, when he came over from Chicago, he had like one of those Jacob Turner, or when he came over from Baltimore in 2013, he had one of those Jacob Turner years where his ERA was pretty good uh, for a short period of time, but his peripherals were absolutely garbage. So we're really talking about something more comparable to the Ubaldo Jimenez five month thing in my mm-hmm. mind. So I'll go ahead and take the over on Arietta and. I'll feel good about it. What about uh, Chris Bozio as the latest pitching coach guru? I think that I don't um, believe in pitching gurus <laughs> right, as a right. general. Yeah. Okay. I think they're all good. I think all pitching coaches are good. Mm-hmm. And that he had good pitching coaches before and that he'll have good pitching coaches after. But I don't, I don't really buy the miracle worker thing. No, neither do I. All right, and uh, Jacob Degrom. Hmm. Huh. Yeah, that's a tough one, because that's one where the the low expectations are very, very recent, mm-hmm. just last season. And he was he was like a, I mean, in AAA and Double A, he was just, I mean, nothing special. Not striking out lots of guys. He didn't didn't really strike out. I mean, he he struck out a fair number of guys in the majors, but even even last year before he was promoted, he wasn't striking out lots of guys. And 2013, he was just kind of four point closer to five ERA with not very impressive peripherals. So I would be comfortable going higher on him than I have for anyone so far, I think. You don't even know what it is. Oh, you're <laughs> just, you're not just, saying you're taking the over. You're just saying you're right. you're going to give a higher ERA. Okay. <laughs> Probably, yeah. So, uh, I'll say I'll say three point five. My favorite thing about guys like Degrom is that when I I control F for their name in the spreadsheet, it first takes me to all the people that they're comparables that he's a comparable for, uh-huh. and 
in order to have Jacob deGrom be a comp for you, you are probably young and terrible. Uh-huh. And so you just see this like list of just awful pitchers who he's comped to. <laughs> then you see his own comp, and it's probably much better because uh, he's at a better place now. Although his comps are David Phelps, Joe Saunders, and Josh Colmenter, uh, which probably fits. Saunders has had a heck of a season once. Mm. Um, anyway, what did you say? What was your number? I said 3.5. It's 3.53. All right, I'll take, take the, the over. over. Take <laughs> just, the over. just so we can do it once, I'll take it. All right, and then the last one I'll ask you for is Yuzumero Petit. And I'm going to tell you what the breakdown is of starts to, to relief appearances that we project so that you can incorporate that. True Swingman, 32 relief appearances, 13 starts. Hmm. 3.4? That's 3.36. Ooh. So nice. you took two overs. Nicely done. Maybe. Uh, or maybe not. Want, yeah, if you want, you, now that you've got an over on Petit, you could, <laughs> you could give back. Give back. I'll enough. stick with it. I was barely off. I'm going to take the under on Petit. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. I don't. I'm not. I already knew the answer to Degrom. Uh, well, I know the answer. I don't want to give one. <laughs> That's what I mean to say. Uh-huh. All right. So, that, so, uh, so let's wrap it up. I want to know uh, in a larger, in a uh, based on the conversation that we had and the players that I've given you, uh, if you were just opening up your Pakoda and you came across these, would you think this thing's nuts? It has nothing to offer me, or um, would it make you sort of change your mind on any of these guys or some answer in between? I think it's it's valuable to be mindful about how recently some guys got good and and how, I mean, it's probably useful to do this sort of exercise every year because at the end of the season we can look back or the official stat keeper of Effectively Wild, John Chenier, can look back and see whether we knew what we were talking about or whether Pakoda knew what it was talking about. And then when next year's projections come out and there is some new crazy Kluber projection, then we will be able to refer to this year's. So so I think it's always valuable to remember that guys aren't necessarily what they were when we last saw them, which is why we use projection systems, because if they all were what we just saw, then we could all predict what they were going to do. Yeah, the problem the problem with the conversation that we're having right now is that once you start saying, um, well, any projection that doesn't seem right to me, I will just set aside as the exception where I'm, you know, smarter mm-hmm. than Pagoda, is then you don't get that benefit. If you're just going to dismiss the ones you don't agree with uh, because you think that there's some flaw in the logic, um, then you're just getting an, an echo of what you think already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it. I mean, it makes sense to be mindful of the blind spots or the things that it doesn't take into account, whether it's changes in velocity or changes in pitch selection or whatever. Although even even there, there are probably cases where you can read too much into that. And maybe a guy who suddenly gained velocity will suddenly lose velocity. Or maybe if he couldn't throw a cutter before, he won't be able to throw a cutter next year. So I don't know how much having an explanation like that actually makes you more accurate or more able to beat a projection system. So it might be that just having an easy explanation at hand like that makes you more prone to making mistakes. I don't know. 
Yeah, I will. Uh, I mentioned all the examples of the guys who were really good and then uh, regressed, even though you might not have seen it coming. So in the interest of, uh, of, of fairness, I will note that last year, uh, Scott Casimir might have been an example of a guy who you would have said Dakota was uh, way too bullish on, bullish bearish on, uh, because its memory was, uh, was, was kind of uh, selective and wrong. And so this was the comment that we had for Scott Casimir in the annual. Casimir utilized an unconventional off-season training regimen to restore at least two of the miles per hour he'd lost from his once nuclear heater. More importantly, he found confidence in his new delivery, exhibited control and command beyond anyone's wildest hopes for his old delivery. He looks completely healthy now, and despite his rather pedestrian 4.04 ERA last year, almost every indicator suggests he's likely to be among the top pitchers in baseball if he can stay that way. Obviously, whenever a reclamation project works out well, there's a desire to understand what was different about this time. We've been burned before, after all, beyond the obvious medical repairs leading to restored confidence, which can take years. It takes a combination of good direction and intensely hard work by the athlete. If Casimir indeed returns to his former glory, much credit will be given to the off-season training program and to the Indians' coaches. Uh, P- uh, Pakoda, which ignores off-season training, confidence, new mechanics, medical repairs, good direction, intensely hard work, Indians' coaches, and dedication, says nope. And uh, so that was kind of our way of acknowledging that Pakoda uh, isn't able to write a 200-word player comment like we're able to write, and there's value to both. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is that it? That's it. All right. So please send us some emails if you think our projections are right on target or crazy. You can let us know or let us know about anything else at podcast at baseballperspectus.com. You can rate and review and subscribe to the show on iTunes. You can join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash effectively wild. And you can support our sponsor. And we hope you will by going to baseballreference.com. Subscribing to the Play Index using the coupon code BP and getting the discounted price of $30 on a one-year subscription. We will be back later this week.